What a delight to be a part of the 10th anniversary celebration here at People's Church. I am honored just to be a friend and one who has followed the progress of People's Church from your very beginnings. If you study the history of Israel, you find that perhaps the greatest king that they ever had was a man by the name of David. But in the course of time, David's tenure was to conclude. And with the conclusion of his time as king, his son Solomon succeeded him. When Solomon was crowned as king and they had all of the coronation ceremonies, there were representatives of other nations that came to express their congratulations, to assure Solomon that they wanted to continue to live at peace with Israel and to wish him well. You can read some of those commendations, some of those congratulations found in the Word of God. One of those that really stands out, always had to me, is one that came from the king of Tyre. As he extended congratulations to the new king, Solomon, he included this statement, God must surely have loved Israel to have given them you to be their king. I would transpose that into another setting across many centuries and say God must surely have loved People's Church from its very beginnings to have given People's Church Herbert and Tiffany Cooper to be your pastors. What great people of God they are. And we congratulate them and congratulate you. We are honored to have Herbert and Tiffany as <clears throat> alumni of Evangel University. And I, I would just say this. Whatever Pastor Cooper does that you are so impressed with that, that you just say, wow, that, that is just awesome what he has done. That's what we taught him at Evangel. If perchance he ever does something that you think could have been done better or a different way, uh, that's what he picked up in those years when he was an evangelist. And we can't, we, we can't deal with that, but we're just thankful for the great job that he is doing here, continues to do, and we all realize God has not brought you to this 10th anniversary just to reminisce. He has brought you to this point to position you, to propel you into the future for even greater things in the future than what you've had in the past. Amen? There are two monumental spiritual leaders presented to us in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it is a man by the name of Moses. In the New Testament, it is an apostle by the name of Paul. We're not including Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in that. But these two human personalities are the monumental giants. Moses had a very, very unique beginning. He was actually born at a time when his family and all of his ethnic relatives and companions were living in slavery. They had been there as a people, as a race of people in this country that we know today as Egypt for 400 years. Their population was increasing. 
exploding, perhaps would be a better word, and the rapid population growth was so significant that the Pharaoh, the reigning monarch of Egypt, decided they were a potential threat. His concern was that Egypt might be engaged in warfare and the Hebrews, the Jewish people, would side with the enemy and thereby lead to Egyptian collapse. His conclusion for dealing with this challenge was an executive order that every male child would be put to death at birth. Every boy baby was to be killed at birth. The Bible tells us that when Moses was born, his parents, recognizing him as a gift from God, exercised faith to protect him from this Egyptian order. Jochebed, Moses' mother, spent the first several weeks of his life protecting him in their home, in their little hovel. But there came a time when she was concerned that he might, he, he might be heard outside the home. He, he was developing to a point that his cries might be heard by other people and there might be an Egyptian sentry come by or an Egyptian soldier that would hear this cry, come in to see if indeed this might be a boy baby that should be put to death. But when he reached the place that he could no longer be safely hidden in the house, Moses' mother made a little basket and, and put pitch or tar all around the sides and the bottom so that it could rest in water and float. And then with this little basket, this little ark made by her hands, before the sun would come up, before daybreak, she would make her way to the edge of the Nile River, place him in that basket, put a covering over the basket, and station his older sister close by to watch it all through the day. And then at night, they would bring him back home. We don't know how many days this went on before Miriam, guarding him, watching over him that way, held her breath as she saw an entourage approaching the river's edge. It was an unusual group coming. It was the Pharaoh's daughter coming, and she had this entourage of servants coming along with her. Miriam must have been just, just almost to a point of panic as she saw them approaching the very spot where Moses' mother had positioned him that morning. And then she waited, hoping they would never see that little basket, but then her fears were realized as the Pharaoh's daughter saw that little basket and gave instruction, see what's in that basket. And a servant, perhaps pulling the cover back, allowing the sun to shine down in the face of that infant, and he may have started crying. It might have been the cry of an infant that touched the Pharaoh's daughter's heart. 
Rather than her saying, oh, that's one of those Hebrews breaking the law. They're trying to preserve that little baby. Throw that baby in the water. Let it drown. Rather, she said, bring it to me. And Pharaoh's daughter held that infant to her breast. And little Miriam pops up to her side and says, I I can find a nurse for you if you'd like to have one. And Jochebed, Moses' mother, had the privilege of becoming a nurse, a teacher, a guide, a shaper of life for young Moses, and did it at government expense. All through those years that Jochebed was teaching Moses, instilling spiritual principles in him, there was an awareness that was growing, that he was a person of destiny. God had a plan for his life. There was something special God wanted to do with him. And when he reached a point on into his 30s, where he had led this life of privilege, where he had been the crown prince of Egypt, where he had been looked upon as a future Pharaoh himself. He now moves out among the people, his people, Jewish people, who were living in abject poverty and slavery. And one day as he's walking around, he observes an Egyptian taskmaster abusing a Hebrew, beating this Jewish slave. And when he, saw, when he thought that no one was watching, he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand, thinking, this is my time. This is the moment. I'm going to lead these people out of slavery. I'm going to deliver these my people. But the next day as he went out, He found two Hebrews arguing. Their arguments had escalated to the point of conflict. They're fighting. And and so Moses tries to be a peacemaker and, and, and settle them down. And the one who was at fault turned on him and said, Who made you a judge? And then asked a question that chilled, chilled Moses in his spot as he said, Are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? And suddenly Moses realized that his secret was out. He thought nobody knew, but now they're talking about it. And he knows that even though he has had privilege in the court, killing an Egyptian would mean his own death. And so he flees. He runs. Hundreds of miles he runs to be away from, to be safe from the Pharaoh's agents. He finds a family that will allow him to tend their sheep. And they give him the assignment of watching over these herds. And here's this man who had grown up in the Pharaoh's court. A man who had, from a human standpoint, the possibility of one day sitting on the throne. He's now tending sheep on the backside of a desert with no 
companionship except his own memories. Asking the question of himself, what if I had not done things that way? What if I had not taken things into my own hands? And one day, his attention is drawn to a bush that is aflame and not being consumed. How unusual that was. It was not unusual for spontaneous combustion to take place and a bush to to just suddenly be enveloped in flame. But when that happened, the bush was quickly consumed. He comes to this because the bush is not being consumed by the flame. He turns aside, and when he does, God begins to talk to him. God begins to tell him that he has a plan for his life. He begins to tell him that he wants to send him back to Cairo, that he wants to use him to lead the Jewish people out of slavery. And Moses, thinking of his failures, Moses remembering how he made such a total, total failure of his life, is giving God excuses why that wouldn't work. And when we come to Exodus chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, We listen to the conversation between God and Moses. Moses saying to God, but God, if I go there, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? When I'm trying to tell those people that you have sent me and and they say, oh, the Lord didn't appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what do you have in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. This staff. Is going to be an instrument, he said. There may be somebody here this morning who can identify with Moses. Perhaps early in life you sense God has a special plan for me. God wants to do something in my life. But somewhere along the way, something happened. Your best intentions just seemed to explode. What you were trying to do just seemed to evaporate. You just gave up. It was a failure. And like Moses, you may find yourself today in a place that you would describe as the backside of a desert. And then God speaks. And I believe God is speaking to some people today, right here at People's Church. And He's asking you just what He asked Moses. What do you have in your hand? In Moses' case, when God spoke to him and said, what do you have in your hand? He said, a staff, a piece of wood. I've used this piece of wood to get a sheep in line. I've used this piece of wood when there was a wild animal that was attacking sheep. I've used this piece of wood at times just just to lean on, just to think to remember, 
where I've been. I spent hours just holding it. And God said, throw it down. And when he did, that piece of wood came alive. Suddenly that piece of wood was a snake. When Pastor Cooper was announcing those plans for June 3 and the animals that are going to be here, the opportunity for youngsters to, to participate in some special activities, and he said they're going to be snakes. I didn't hear anybody say, Pastor, I, I want to be one of the snake handlers. Most of us, despite what zoologists tell us about how harmless they are, we, we want snakes to keep a distance from us. And that's what the Bible says. He, he reached, and when God told him to pick it up again, he picked it up by the tail. But as soon as he picked it up, it turned back into a piece of wood. And God said, I'm going to take that and use it. I'd like to note with you four principles that come out of that encounter that are applicable to you and me today. Number one, God started with Moses where he was. Not where he one time had been, not where one day he would be, but right where he is. The wonderful story of people's church is that God has taken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people right where they were. Not where they one day were, not where they one day would be, but right where they were. And by his grace has transformed lives that have reached other people. God starts with us where we are. And secondly, He works with us with what we have. If what we have is nothing more than a piece of wood. So many of us, as we sense God's Spirit dealing with us, inviting us into a life of ministry and participation in what he's doing in the world, are thinking in terms, but God, I don't have anything. I don't have this gift. I don't have that talent. I don't have this other ability. God, I don't, when he says, what do you have in your hand? Oh, God, all I've got is this piece of wood. Let me ask you, what do you have in your hand? There are people in this congregation who drive taxis. Every person who gets in that automobile is an opportunity. There's some of you who are 7-Eleven clerks. Every person that comes in is an opportunity. There's some of you who are teachers who, who are working in the schools. Every day is another opportunity for your life to influence somebody else. All around us, there are things that we have in our hands. And like Moses, we're inclined to say, well, this, God, is nothing but a piece of wood. What you have in your hand is what God will use. He starts with us where we are. He works with us with what we have. And as you look for the next ten years, it is going to be the same story of God using what you have in your hand. But there's a third principle that you see. As Moses is holding that staff, God says, what is that? It's a staff. It's a piece of wood. And God says, throw it down. And to his 
dismay, what he had been holding, what he had been leaning on, he sees there's life, there's a snake there that had the potential of destroying him. One strike from that snake, and within minutes he would have been dead. What we have in our hands has the potential of destroying us if we just simply grip it and hold it to ourselves and refuse to put it in the hands of God. The talent that people have that can bless others can become destructive if it's just held tight and close. It's when God says, pick it up again. In effect, it's when He gives it back to us that it can be used for His glory. Some of you would remember a name. Jimi Hendrix. Many people consider Jimi Hendrix to be the most outstanding guitarist in the history of secular music. When Jimi Hendrix was 13 years old, he bought a guitar like this for $5. In his hands, he learned to play that. And when he died at the untimely age of 27, he left an estate in excess of $80 million. That's what he had in his hand. When it came to him, it was worth $5. Look what he did with it. Anybody see the Thunder game last night? In my hands, that ball is worth $52. In Kevin Durant's hands, this year, if I understand it correctly, they're paying him $16.6 million. With nine seconds to go last night, he put in a three-point shot that won the game. In my hands, $50. In his hands, a victory. Millions. Some of you like to play golf. Oh, $75 in my hands. Bubba Watson has taken one of these. And since January the 1st, has made $3.2 million in prize money. In my hands or his hands? Go long, Pastor. In my hands, $55. In Peyton Manning's hands, 
The Broncos think he's worth $18 million this year. It just depends on whose hands. I want to ask you, what do you have in your hands? And we say, oh, it's just this. A piece of wood. A ball. A club. A guitar. No. It's when we're willing to put in his hands what we have, that he gives it back to us and uses it for his glory. And for the person who is here today, who looks back to a moment when your destiny seems so clear, back to a moment when your opportunity was so distinct and suddenly things took a wrong turn and and everything came apart. And you find yourself today on the backside of a desert. I want to tell you, God starts with you right where you are, even if where you are is the backside of a desert. The backside of the desert is not a geographical location. It is a spiritual condition. And if you're on the backside of a desert, that's where God starts. And He works with us just with what we have. Not what we one day had. Not what we someday will have. But just what we have. And He says, give it to me. Let me consecrate it and give it back to you and use it to advance my kingdom. If that's you, you've come to the right place at the right time with what you've got in your hand.